episode of Let's Talk Black and my name is Alex and I'm with the beautiful Alicia Winston. (laughs) (laughs) What's up guys? So anyway, on this episode we're going to take something a little, you know, a little deep, you know what I'm saying? Um, We're going to be talking about the March for Our Lives speech. Um, I don't know if you saw the video, but a young lady named Naomi Wadler, uh, she's an 11-year-old girl, and she spoke, and it was very powerful. So we're going to talk about that, and we're also going to talk about, what's his name? Stefan Clark. Clark, who was uh, shot in his, back, in his grandmother's backyard. He was 22 years old, so we're going to go ahead and... Um, get into the first topic of the day. Okay. So, um, March for Our Lives was held this past Saturday, and um, there was a lot of speeches, but one kind of stood out to me, and it was a young black girl. Her name was Naomi Watler. And I don't know, it was just something about her speech. Well, she mostly was speaking for all the black girls that were... Uh, affected or you know shot uh, by gun violence and um, one of them she was uh, a part of the Parkland shooting and so she was just saying I speak for the girls that don't have a voice anymore and uh, and it was just very touching because like I like when I listened to it I was basically like in tears crying it took it. I mean, it took a lot out of me not to cry, but it was just like it was. I don't know for this little eleven-year-old girl to have this platform and say what she said. It was just like powerful, and she's just you know she's very articulate. Mm-hmm. She was yeah. using words. I was like, oh, you know this word, girl. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I feel like very proud. I think this is the year for women, girls, of especially. There's a lot of things that we have seen, especially for African American women or like coming out, speaking up and saying what they have to say, uh, regardless of who doesn't like, who don't like it or who does like it. You know, I think it's um, it's very inspiring to see her at such a young age and to be able to take like this leadership, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's not only like a leadership for her elementary school, like leadership of all African-American women, you know, Um, she's so young and so articulate and so smart, you know, and to be able to stand up there in front of probably thousands of people and be able to say those words is very empowering for her and young girls like her. Um, she said some things, I mean, that w- that needs to be recognized. Like women are affected by gun violence. It's not all, it's not always men, you know, it's not always white men, black men or whoever it's women are affected by that too. Um, I think the March was like a beautiful thing. March mm-hmm. for our lives. Um, very well put together. Right. Um, it was just inspiring to see how how much like a change could be made mm-hmm. if you know if, if things if we come together like this and how much control that we honestly have over our world and you know our communities and stuff like that. Right. 
And like, uh, I think we were saying this right before the, uh, before we started, you know, podcasting. I feel like for black people, we've been trying to fight and tell you like, I mean, even though it had to do with like police violence, like it, at the end of the day, it's also gun, the gun violence, gun violence regardless. regardless. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like as black people, we were, well, as a black community, when we were doing the whole Black Lives Matter movement, we were basically saying the same thing, but now it's kind of in a larger scale. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. I think, uh, personally, I think that uh, the black community is taking it personal. You know, uh, I seen something on Facebook and it was saying how we're literally fighting for the same thing. But like you said, it's in a different aspect. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we're fighting. They're fighting for the entire like country to be gun violence. We're just fighting for like our lives specifically, you know, this specific culture that has been affected by gun violence since since forever. Mm-hmm. And it's I'm not only against police, but I mean, against each other you each know other. like mm-hmm. like gun violence is something that needs to be taken control uh like very serious and control of for that young man in um florida to ever be able to get access of a gun like that yeah it, he was it's crazy uh, he, what 18 was he yeah 17 18 I think. yeah it, it's crazy um but it is i feel like african-americans the african-american community is taking it a little personal because we um i read something on facebook is how we would protest Mm-hmm. But we were met with, um, like, tanks and all this other stuff. You know, I'm I'm from the area of Ferguson, mm-hmm. and we were met with tanks, tear gas, and all that other stuff. But and we never had a platform. We never had times. We never was never on CNN or anything like that. We were always showed in this negative light. And I mean, we were on CNN, but more of a negative negative light than than anything. Mm-hmm. We never I. Personally, I feel like we never got that opportunity to to hear someone speak out. But it's good to see that Naomi mm-hmm. had that opportunity to speak out about it, mm-hmm. and she did. And other African Americans uh, who spoke at the march as well. Right. So um, I guess we're going to go ahead and go to the next topic. We're going to add on, um, before we go to the next topic, we're going to go ahead and add on her uh, an ex- excerpt from Naomi's speech. I am here today to represent Cortland Arrington. I am here today to represent Hadia Pendleton. I, I am here today to represent Tiana Thompson, who at just 16 was shot dead in her home here in Washington, D.C. I am here today to acknowledge and represent the African-American girls whose stories don't make the front page of every national newspaper. (laughs) Whose stories don't lead on the evening news. I represent the African-American women who are victims of gun violence, who are simply statistics instead of vibrant, beautiful girls at full of potential. So, Stephen Clark, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Stefan. Stefan or Stephen Clark um, was, what, he's 21? 22. 22 years old. Two kids. Mm-hmm. And the story reads, um, what is it, Washington Post? Mm-hmm. Um, the story reads he was seen breaking into. Allegedly. Allegedly breaking into, what, cars? Yeah, breaking and, windows. And breaking windows. Mm-hmm. And. Um, he was in his and he ran to his grandmother's backyard. Yeah. And apparently 
his phone was was mistaken for, for a, gun. a gun and the police shot him 20 times. But yeah. I have a problem with that. Yeah, I, I really I really do. And I feel like everybody should have a problem with that. Yeah. 20 times? That's a lot. I know, like, it takes about, what, two, maybe two or three for you to be, like, dead, I feel. I mean, depending on where you yeah you shot. But 20 times? Okay, sir. Now you're just doing it just to be spiteful. And also it reads that the a police turned off, he muted his body camera. So that's another thing that, that questions... Lord that questions that but when you look at things like that it's just like 20 times when a guy when he didn't kill anybody mm-hmm. but the young man from florida who killed those those teachers and students he killed 17 people and was not shot at all Mm-mm. the same guy who uh what i don't remember his name when he went into the church Will and roof, they were dylan roof yeah and they were protecting him Th- those things like make like you literally question. literally when the police got dylan roof they put a they put a bulletproof vest on him. Exactly. I'm like, what? Yeah. But, um, but yeah, with the whole Stefan thing, like allegedly he's he did something wrong or illegal, but that doesn't he doesn't deserve twenty bullets. Yeah. You so uh so for somebody that actually did do the crime and doesn't get shot, not that I mean, not that I'm saying people should you know die, but. I mean, he, this man killed 17 people, and, and like, you deserve to go to hell. Mm-hmm. You, like, there's a, a nice place right there in mm-hmm. hell for you. But with Stefan, it was more of, okay, he, he might have done, he allegedly might have done something, like, but even But even illegal. if he did, it, it doesn't, doesn't justify his life. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It, he doesn't deserve 20 bullets. You know, there, or even one at that. There, I mean, if they thought that he had a gun, okay. Maybe shoot once to kind of scare. If he drops, yeah. then you know that but, nothing. You know, normally they like shoot at the ground to see, yeah. or something like that. But 20, 20 bullets in him, or to even be shot at him, is yeah. is crazy. I don't. I don't believe. I don't believe his life should have been taken because they thought it was a gun, a phone, an yeah, iPhone. I'm like, how do you get an iPhone mis- mistaken an iPhone for a, a gun? That's crazy to me. I don't know. And then, like, also, I feel like police officers, especially, like, in cases like this, they need to have at least, you know, those beanbag beanbag shot uh um, pellets or whatever for, like, warning shots. Because normally there's, like, if there's three, you know. I'm going based off of what I saw. And it was, what's that that movie with um, Gabrielle Union, Michael Ely, and... um, Uh, Oh. The Perfect Man or The Perfect Guy. So, oh, I can't remember, but I know exactly. But yeah, but anyway, she had three, she gave the guy three warnings because he was a stalker. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so they wouldn't like get her, you know, get on her case because, or like make a case out of it because he didn't really do any harm. Mm -hmm. So finally, when he's about to do harm, she was like, well, you know, the the, uh, detective was like, you give three warning shots and there were like three bullets, uh, not bullets, but like beanbag shots. And then the real ones come out and then that's, I mean, that's, that's qualified as defense. Yeah. So for that, I'm just thinking maybe do like maybe three, maybe one or two warning shots, mm-hmm. three warning shots with like beanbags or whatever. Then if it's like something really, really bad, but I mean, he didn't even have a gun, so it shouldn't even gone to that yeah. point. I just, I don't know. I just, it's, it's so sad to see another family going through this. 
it's so sad that we again we have to say justice for Mr. Clark or justice for another African American man or female. You know, it's it's so sad that we have to that we continue to go through this. Right. Continue. And then it's just like where do we go from here? Like we it's like a it's kind of like a cycle at this point. Mm-hmm. You we know? can have all the platform like celebrities that are African American. Um, we can have all the platform in the world and we'll still never be and there will the, still never be equality and that's the saddest part yeah because you know everybody in congress ain't you know chocolate <laughs> so at the end of the day I feel like African Americans can never win when it comes to equality yeah and that's a sad thing to think of like we continue to fight and mm-hmm. we, the- could, we could have all the fight in the world I feel like, I mean, as for me, mm-hmm. seeing everything is just like, we can never, we can never win. I mean, we've, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little harsh with it, but. I mean, I think when you think like that, I think not saying the way you're thinking is wrong, mm-hmm. but however, it's just like, Martin Luther, when I think, someone explained it to me. Mm-hmm. We have to be able to sacrifice these things for the next generation to see how it plays out, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. So Martin Luther King fought for things like us to be able to sit in this building that we're sitting in now mm-hmm. or to have uh, Caucasian classmates, to go to the same schools, to have the opportunity to go to college. Mm-hmm. However, his life... He sacrificed like his life, mm-hmm. but then he didn't get to see the result of what happened for all his protesting and everything that he did. Mm-hmm. He didn't see it, but it happened. So it's just like our generation, we're protesting, we're fighting. And I mean, I'm not saying that we're going to get killed, but you know, like we may get older and, you know, 70 mm-hmm. or something, you know, eventually like natural causes of death or something. And then that next generation sees the justice mm-hmm. or something like that. So I don't think that it's like, it's never going to happen, but I think we think that it's going to change like this. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's possible. Oh, of course not. You know, I don't, Everything you know, a process, it's but... a, and I think it's a long process that we're getting impatient of, you know? So it's like a process like, well, how many more lives have to be taken until we get there? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a lot of sacrifice, a lot of sacrifice when you think of it, but I mean, I mean, for the future, maybe, maybe we'll still be alive to be able to see somebody at least some sort, of some sort of like justice, some sort of light at the end of that tunnel to say that, okay, this was not all for nothing. We're not continuing to fight. We're not continuing to speak up about things and nothing's happening, but like this little light that gives us that, that hope. And mm-hmm. then the, like that next generation, like, okay, we got it from here type deal. I also have something else to say. Um, a couple weeks ago, uh, this has nothing to do with, you know, whatever, but it does have to do with colorism. Um, my cousin, he was telling me that, okay, for those that don't know, I'm, I'm, kinda, I'm light-skinned and I have light eyes. I don't really look fully African-American, I, even though I'm fully black. Um, but my cousin, he's also kind of, he, we kind of look alike mm-hmm. and people think we're like brothers and sisters. So, um, and he's, he has blonde hair and gray eyes. So the topic came up, I don't know how it came up, but we were talking about, um, 
he was talking about like his struggles in school, like when he was in high school and how like the African-American, I guess his African-American friends, well, not really friends, but the group, you know, were like, oh, you're not, mm-hmm. you're not black enough, blah, blah, blah. And they would argue with him about his ethnicity. Mind you, my cousin Xavier is fully black, mm-hmm. like both parents black, black as hell, okay? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so Xavier was saying, you know, they keep telling me that I'm not black, blah, blah, blah. And so, um, so then Xavier, it got to the point where Xavier was like, listen, I'm, I'm, I just tell people that I'm not black, I'm half black, or like I'm some other race or like I'm just because it's just I'm tired of explaining myself and I'm like and you know I've I've had that experience too when I was in high school like I would have well I I mean it was just one experience but I've had one girl tell me oh you're not black you're something else you're not you know whatever so um so yeah so I told Xavier you shouldn't have to explain yourself Mm -hmm. because you're light-skinned doesn't make you any less black. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So I just wanted to add that in there. You. I mean, I don't know <laughs> <laughs> because I've I've never had that um, and I mean, experience I've, because yeah, <laughs> y'all didn't know I'm chocolate. <laughs> no, it's so like I've had that experience also in elementary. Like, out girls would get jealous mm-hmm. of me because of my skin tone and I'm, I'm light skin like the, you know the boys will you know like me or whatnot but anyway I think but there, but but there also also doesn't go with like color mm-hmm. okay so there also goes the way the way that we speak you know so people like <laughs> it was crazy because it just happened mm-hmm. so I was like on the phone like one of my family members called and I was like and I was just like, hello. <laughs> like, it was adorable. She was like, she said something. And I was like, yeah. And she was just like, you, girl, you sound white. <laughs> I was like, what? So white. I was like, what is that? Yeah. She was like, why are you talking like that? I was like, correct English. Mm-hmm. You know? So it, it, color has something to do with that. But also, the way you talk. Yeah. So he might. So it, it's a lot to do with that because he might. Articulate no, he, his words. And yeah, stuff he does. Like that. He articulates. You know, he has. He's very articulate too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not really. Uh, yeah, he's articulate. He's not depending your, on the. He's not your like your regular black dude. You know what's up? What's good? You know what's good? no, he ain't like that. <laughs> like, he's more like what's up, dude. <laughs> we're not but, really like that. <laughs> not really. But he's, he's like in the middle of that. So, I mean, I don't. I feel like. He don't have to define, he don't have to, at this point, it's like prove what to who, excuse my language, but fuck you. You know, like mm-hmm. I don't have to prove anything to you. If he knows that he black, he can wear a shirt, I'm black. Yeah. And I'm, just, it just, I'm that black, I'm that black guy. You know, like anything, you don't have to prove it to anybody. Yeah. That's the thing I think that I'm learning too. Like, I don't have to prove to you how black I am. Mm-hmm. You know I'm black, you see my skin tone, you see my parents. Yeah, and see, like, I think it's because he was in high school. He's, you know, you know, kids in high school, they still trying to figure themselves out. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, that's the main thing you're supposed to be for sure I'm about. I'm black and I'm proud. I'm black. And that's why I told that girl in high school, I'm like, girl, I'm black. I don't know what you want me, what you want. What, what else do you want me to say? He said, oh, no, you ain't. I'm like, everybody got a little something in them. Everybody ain't fully. We got a I mean, like, you probably 70-something person. She's like, no, nah, I'm fully black. I said, okay, girl, have fun with that. Sit in the corner, be black. 
but for me, I was like, I know I'm, you know, I know there's something in me, maybe closer to, you know, closer in the genes, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? My great grandfather was half white. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, my great grandmother was, is half, was half white, mm-hmm. but, um, and we definitely knew that because she was light skinned with light, you know, mm-hmm. we knew she was half white, but, um, yeah. So people out there, young children, if you're listening, or well, young adults, if you're listening, you Hopefully know, not children. Sorry, not children. Sorry, I don't anyway. think. But, but be proud of your blackness. Be proud of who you are. You know, embrace it. Your worth is not defined by color. Right. I like wait. it. You like that? Yeah. Because I'm like, wait, is that is that be, right? Be leaders of your blackness. Love your blackness, guys. You know, we just out here trying to empower you guys. But we love being black. Black is what's up. Orange is a new, no, wait, black what? is, I don't know. Black they, is beautiful. Black is bold. Oh, that's nice. I like that. I don't know. Yo, but um, this is the end of our podcast. We thank you guys for joining us another time. Yo, we got our What is that what you said, yo? Coming out soon. Be on the lookout for that. No, don't be on the lookout for mine. Okay, bye. <laughs> I'll, I'll tag Alex. Okay, bye. All right, guys. Have a good day. Bye.